Welcome to Gateway Church Cymru, a church where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6, and we're going to read verse 1 to 3 together. And the title of tonight's message, and also it's going to be next week's message as well, is The Roadblocks to Revival. The roadblocks to revival. Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 1 to 3. And it says, When the word came to Sanbat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sanbat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let's meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? You know, as we've seen over the last couple of months, as we've gone through this series, that a revival is an awakening. It's a revitalization. It's a return to a former glory within the church. It's when the church falls back in love with Jesus. It's when the church stops getting distracted by everything else and turns to Jesus once again and has a fresh desire for him, fresh passion, fresh hunger for Jesus. And, you know, we've seen the revival, although it does affect non-Christians, non-believers, it's primarily for the church because we can all wander away from the Lord. We can all, there are times where our hearts go cold and we can just turn away from God. We can become apathetic in our relationship with the Lord and then God comes in his might, in his grace, in his mercy, and he awakens us by his Holy Spirit. I know we've seen the revival, it is all of the Lord, it is a complete work of God. It's not man-made, it's not a meeting, it's not an event. Revival is when God comes by his Spirit, and he is the one who is in charge of it all, he is the one who's leading it all, and he is the one who it is all about, it is all about Jesus. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at some ingredients for revival, things that we can do as the people of God to get ready to prepare for that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But you know, we also see in Scripture, and we also learn from past revivals, that there are things that the people of God can do to prevent or stop revival from happening. There are things that can happen and that we can do to stop revival from happening. And so, as I've said, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at these roadblocks to revival. Have you ever been going down a road and, and you know, it, you're on your way somewhere and you think, yes, I, I'm going to get to my destination, it's all going to be fine. And all of a sudden you start seeing those cones along the side of the road, then you start seeing those signs and then all of a sudden you see that sign that says, the road is shut. And you have to go another way and you're like, oh my goodness, you know, I, you know I've got a meeting to get to, you know, and all these different things. How am I going to get to the place that I needed to get? You know, there's roadblocks, things that are stopping you getting, uh, stopping you from moving forward in your journey. And you know, that's true for our spiritual life as well. There are things that can come into our lives that stop us from progressing into all that God has for us. Stop us from progressing into the plan and purpose of God. Now, this passage of scripture that we've just read this evening is it's written by Nehemiah. This is from the book of Nehemiah, and this book is all about Nehemiah and what God had called Nehemiah to do. And if you've ever studied about Nehemiah or if you've heard sermons about Nehemiah, you'll know that Nehemiah was an incredible man of God. 
He was an incredible man of God. And he felt led by God to go back to Jerusalem, his homeland. He felt led by God to go back to his homeland, Jerusalem, which had been destroyed because the people of God had been exiled to Babylon because of their disobedience. And, and he heard rumors that his homeland had been completely destroyed. The capital city, but most importantly, the place where, where the center of God, where God's people were to be, where God's worship was where the people of God were going to come to worship God. And he heard that the city had been destroyed. And so he felt led by God, called by God to go back to Jerusalem, but not just go back there. He felt called by God to go and rebuild the walls, rebuild the city which had been destroyed by the enemy. He felt called to go and rebuild that city. Now, when, when he felt led in this way, when he felt called in this way, there were some people who weren't so happy about this. Even though God had called him to it, and there were a great number of people who were with him in this venture of rebuilding the walls, of, of do, uh, rebuilding, reestablishing the place where people can come to worship God, there were the, those who opposed that work. And some of the names of these guys, these sound like happy, great guys, don't they? Sanbalt, Tobiah, Geshem. Do any of you know any of those uh, in Abraham? I've never come across those. They don't sound like pleasant characters, do they? But th these guys... These, these guys had an issue with Nehemiah and the work that he was about to do. And these people, these, these men, they enjoyed the fact that Jerusalem had been destroyed. They loved the fact that it had been destroyed. For some unknown reason, they loved the fact that it was destroyed. And when they heard that Nehemiah was going to go and rebuild the walls, and when they heard that Nehemiah had a, a group of people with him to rebuild the walls, they were furious. They weren't happy at all that they were, he was going to go back and rebuild the temple and rebuild the place where people can come to worship the Lord. And so Sanbalt and these other leaders, they tried in many different ways to divert Nehemiah and his friends. They tried many times to stop Nehemiah from rebuilding the walls, to stop that work from going forward, to prevent them from reestablishing that city and reestablishing the place where people can come to worship God. And not only did they try to divert them and distract them, but they also threatened them as well. That if they carried on the work, then they would go and, go and tell the king and make up some lie to the king that they were actually there to do bad. The Nehemiah and the people were there to do, uh, uh, weren't doing what they had initially said they were going to do. And they were going to spread these rumors that the Nehemiah was going to rebel against the king and he was going to try and overthrow the king. You know, they were coming up with all these awful things just to stop the work what God had called Nehemiah to do and the people to do. And, you know, these, these guys, these, these weren't just ordinary guys who were just, you know, brash about it and, and, you know, affront with this. They were subtle. They were divisive and they, in, the, in the way that they were doing it. And they insisted, they were clever guys, they insisted that they weren't opposing God, that it was all just political. This wasn't about God. It's not about that. Don't worry. It's just our issues with this. You know, we want to just try and stop it. That's what their hearts, but we know their real motive. The real motive, as the Bible tells us, was they just wanted to stop God's work from happening. And we read uh, in Nehemiah uh, chapter 6 and verse 8, this is what Nehemiah said. He said, I said, they tried to get him down from the walls, and this is what he said. I sent them this reply. Nothing like what you were saying is happening. You are making it up out of your head. I love that, how his declaration. He's just up front with them. He said, I know what you're doing. I know exactly what you're doing. 
There's no way you can try and distract us. I know what you're doing. You're making up these lies. You're making up these accusations. You're trying to divert us. We know what you're doing. We know what you're doing. And, you know, these guys, they try to set up a meeting with Nehemiah to get him away from the work on this plane called Ono. And they wanted to discuss the matter amicably. You know, they wanted to be nicey-nicey and, you know, try and woo him over and try and convince him not to carry on with the work. You know, I love Nehemiah because Nehemiah had heard from God. He was called by God, but not not, because he knew what God had called him to do. He was so focused on what God had called him to do that nothing was going to distract him. I know sometimes we need to have that focus. When God has called us to do something, the enemy will do anything he can to pull us away to distract us. But we need to be so focused to do what God has called us to do. We need to be that narrow-minded in that sense to carry out what God has called us to do. No matter what people would say, no matter what opposition comes against us, we've got to be focused because if God has called us to do it, it is for his glory, it is for his praise, and it will all work out. And so Nehemiah was so focused. And you know, the amazing thing is that when God calls us to do something, he will give us everything we need to do it. And not just physical tools or materials, but he will also give us the spiritual resources that we need. And one thing Nehemiah had was that he knew what God had told him and he had courage. He wasn't afraid of these guys. He wasn't afraid of Sanbal, Tobiah, and whatever. It doesn't matter who these guys are. Even though they're leaders, he wasn't afraid because God had called him. God's hand was upon him. And he wasn't afraid of that. And he wasn't going to be distracted. And I love what it says in in verse 3, what he said to them in verse 3 in chapter 6. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? He's saying, I'm not coming down. No matter how you distract me, I'm not coming down. I'm carrying on this work. Why should I come down to you? I'm carrying on with what God has told me to do. He's my leader. He's the one who I'm following. I'm following after him. No matter what he might say. You know, this has always been the case. This story... This isn't something that's just, you know, it's something that happened back, back in those days. It happens today. This isn't anything new. You see, whenever the people of God decide to do something for God, or whenever God calls somebody to do something for him, and there appears to be a chance that they're going to succeed in that work, that what they're going to do is going to bring about fruit and change and life transformation, you can guarantee that Satan will do anything he can to divert us and to stop us from doing that work. The enemy will do anything he can to stop you from going to that place, from keeping on serving, from ministering. He will do anything he can to stop you from doing the work that God has called you to do. He will do anything he can. And you know, we see this happen in many revivals. That's why many revivals stop, unfortunately. Because people get distracted by the enemy. They take their focus off the Lord and they get distracted by things that are going on elsewhere. And that's why revival will stop. It's because they're looking elsewhere. You know, we see some of these revivals, they were incredible. They were powerful. They, they were whole nations that were changed and transformed by what God was doing. But you know, the enemy doesn't just sit back and allow this to happen. Satan will not just sit back and allow you to do what God has called you to do. And I've discovered that. Even at this young age, I've discovered that. He isn't happy and he will do anything he can to push you away, to discourage you, to put little doubts in your mind, to to make you think, oh, I'm too tired, I can't be bothered, or let someone else do it. He'll do anything he can to stop you from doing the work. 
you'll start, you know, you'll even put those lies in your mind that you're not going to see anything come from this. You're wasting your time. Have any of you ever heard those lies? I know that I have. But don't give in to those lies. You know, the enemy, as I said, Satan, he doesn't just sit back and allow revival to happen or the church to grow or the church to be built. You know what, what he does? He gets busy. When he can see that God's hand is on somebody and when he sees that God's hand is on a church and on a people, he gets busy as well. When God begins to work, the enemy gets to work as well. And he'll do anything he can. You can guarantee, you know, you, you, everything will be going great and then all of a sudden someone will come up out of nowhere almost and try and distract there'll be people who you've never encountered before all of a sudden come on the scene and oppose it all everything that you're doing even some people who you've walked with for years and years will oppose what you're doing and what god has called you to do they'll come out of the blue out of nowhere they've been your friends and then all of a sudden they come along and try to distract you from the work it's because the enemy is at work behind it all he knows what he's doing and when god wants to when god is going to move the enemy you can guarantee will come along He'll send his minions out there to try and distract, divert, and discourage. That's what he wants to do. Distract, divert, and discourage. They're the three main things he tries to do to stop the great work of salvation of the Lord. You know, and I believe that's what he wants to do in this church. He wants us to get distracted because maybe we don't see many new people coming in on a regular basis. He wants us to get discouraged. We haven't seen lives changed. And so that causes us to doubt our God. But, you know, we've got to realize tonight, we've got to hold on to the promises of Scripture. We've got to hold on to who our God is, that our God is still a saving God. He is still a miracle-working God, that what He has promised in this place, He is able to do. He is able to change Abraham. And no matter how hard or difficult that community is and people are, God is able. He still has power. He has power to save your unsaved loved ones. He has the power to change your workplace. He has the power. We've got to look to Him and trust in Him. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to start looking at some roadblocks or hindrances to revival. You know, some people might say, you know, there's nothing we can do to hinder revival because it's all of God. Well, actually, Scripture tells us otherwise, and, and past revivals, history tells us there are things that we can do as the people of God that can actually stop God from moving forward. And so tonight, we're going to look very quickly, five roadblocks, five roadblocks to revival. The first roadblock is a revival will stop whenever the church believes it's going to stop. Whenever we get it into our hearts and our minds that it's going to stop, then it'll stop. And we see that in past history. You know, the church is the instrument that God uses to carry on his work. You know, God is able. He could do it all on his own if he wanted. But yet God in his grace and mercy has chosen us, the people of God, to work in and through us. How amazing is that? God wants to use you. He wants to move in and through you. It doesn't matter who you are. If you belong to him, he wants to move in and through your life. God wants to use us in that way. But you're not, you know, nothing is more fatal to revival than when the people of God begin to predict when revival is going to stop or when God is not going to stop moving. You know, when we begin to say, oh, yeah, maybe in two years, it's going to end, you know, or maybe in six months it's going to end. What God's doing now, yeah, it's great, it's for a season, but it's going to end. When we begin to have that sort of heart and that attitude and that creeps into our lives, you can guarantee revival's going to go, stop. Or anything that God is going to do is going to stop. Anything that God is going to do is going to stop. It doesn't matter what enemies might say about it or what others might say about it. If the church begins to take hold of this lie, 
begins to speak this out, then you can guarantee God is not going to move in that place. When the people begin to declare, it's going to stop, it's going to end, you can guarantee it's going to stop. Or even, I'm going to put it in like this way, because we're not in revival right now. When the people begin to say and declare that God is not going to move in this place, or it's never going to happen, you can guarantee it will never happen. You can guarantee it will never happen. And you know, the funny thing is, is the people of God, we, we often contradict ourselves and say, you know, I'm, I'm praying, I, you know, I, I'm going to keep working, I'm going to keep turning up, but I don't really believe God's going to do it. What's the point? We contradict ourselves so often. You know, we say, oh yeah, I'm laboring for the Lord, but you know, I don't think anything's going to come. We contradict ourselves so often. You know, if we lose our faith, it's going to stop or it'll never come. If we lose our faith, it's never going to happen. It will never come because God moves and he responds to faith. Faith is the currency of heaven, as Pastor Rob used to say. It is the currency of heaven. God responds to faith. We are called to be a people who walk by faith and not by sight. We are people of faith. We are people who believe that our God is able to do the impossible. Even though how difficult the situation may be, we believe that God is able to do it. But when we stop moving in faith, when we stop moving in that, then you can guarantee God's not going to move. And you know, it's also true when, you know, when I say you, we're, we're a people of faith. Unless we're hearing the word of God, unless we're in the word of God, that faith is never going to be built up in the first place. Because faith comes by hearing and the hearing of the word of God. If you need faith, you need to get in the scriptures. Study God's word. Listen more to podcasts and, and messages. Get into Just fill your heart with the word of God. Then faith will begin to rise. You know, people, revival will stop or revival won't come when the church believes it's not going to come or the church believes it's not going to, it's going to end. Number two, a revival will stop if Christians allow it to stop. You know, that's the sad thing when you read histories of revivals is that people can see that, that it's growing cold, that people's hearts are growing cold and, and there's nothing set up in place to carry it on and there's not that same hunger you know, the saddest thing is if we just allow it to happen. We just allow, oh, okay, it's just happening, that's it. Don't worry about it, you know, don't worry. It, it was nice, that was good, but carry on, don't worry about it. We'll stop when, when we allow it to stop. You know, and it's the same with, with even God starting something. You know, if we, if we allow our apathy just to continue, if we allow the religious mindsets to continue, if we allow contentment to continue, then it's never going to happen. We've got to challenge it. We've got to challenge it. We've got to address these issues. We've got to pull, go, stand against these issues. We've got to fight against these issues with everything that is within us to stop it from growing within our hearts and our lives. You know, uh, uh, one of the ways that we, we can keep it going is by keeping on praying, keeping on believing, keeping on declaring, keeping on sharing. That's how we can keep that fire burning. When we see that God has stopped moving in a place, don't just allow it to set and settle for it, but get on your knees and begin to cry out to God for it. You know, I believe we need to do this more than ever as a church because God's not moving in this place as much as we long for him to. We're not seeing our life change as we long to see it. We're not seeing salvation on a regular basis. And you know, for me, that points to me that we as a church need to pray. We need to say, God, we need you. Because if we don't do that, and we just allow this to happen week in, week out, it's never going to happen. God is looking for us to respond and do something. 
we've got to get on our knees and say, God, we need you. We're in a mess. We're desperate for you. We need you, God, to come and move. Revival starts when we allow it to stop. When we say, yeah, it's fine, we allow it to stop. Number three, a revival will stop whenever believers or Christians become religious in their attempts to promote it. What do I mean by that? Whenever we just go through the motions, whenever we become mechanical in the way of doing things instead of relying on the Holy Spirit and keeping open to Him and expecting, then it's, you're guaranteed for it to stop. And we're also preventing God to move in the denominations and the services and the times when we get together. When we begin to take the lead instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to lead. And you know, that's been the challenge for me, even taking on this church is, God, I don't want us just to go through the motions, just to please people or traditions or the way we've always done things. God, I want to be led by your spirit. Because when he leads and he moves, that's when lives are changed. That's when hearts are awakened. That's when people come and grow closer to him. And you know, we thank God we honor the past, but we don't live in the past. We've got to keep moving forward. We've got to keep expecting. You know, that's one thing I want to encourage us as a church that I believe God wants to encourage us with tonight is to keep expecting and keep open and believe that God will do something different every time we come together. You know, I don't want us just to keep singing three songs then go on to announcements and then communion and then, and then the message. I'd love for it. Wouldn't you love for it that God would just break in? There'd just be a real spontaneity and all of a sudden God's freedom, God's presence is in this place and, you know, God, you know, maybe in this moment we've got to pray for people. Or, you know, in this moment we feel like we've just got to get up and share the, of something that God's done within our lives. Or, you know, all of a sudden, you know, instead of just going through the motions, all of a sudden, right at the start of the service, we, we're going to offer the gift of, we're going to offer salvation to people. We want to be so open to him. He's the one who's leading in us. We don't want the same old, same old. Because when God is moving, when he's leading, that's when there's life. That's when people are drawn. People are drawn to life, not religion. They're drawn to Jesus, not just the mechanical way of doing things of church. They're drawn to Jesus and his life and his love and his power and him moving by his spirit. You know, nothing got me more excited when I was a young Christian than when God was in this place. You know, I used to get frustrated as a young believer when we just same old, same old. I used to get frustrated and I said, God, would you just come and move? You blow the cobwebs off of religion and all this stuff. God, we need you. Create a hunger within us. Not just for church, for you, oh Lord. A passion for you. And you know, especially, if, you know, that's what I long for more and more. I, I long for to see our young people so on fire for Jesus. They want to be used and they want to share what God's doing in their lives and ministering and introducing new songs and sharing new. I long for that. I long for children to be used and people to come to know Jesus and, you know, to be ministering in that. And, you know, that's my prayer. God, blow out religion. Get rid of religion in, this, in my heart. Get rid of religion within this church. As I said, we thank God for the past. We honor the past, but we've got to move forward as a church. We've got to change. We've got to move forward, not compromising the scripture, not compromising the, the things of God. But we've got to move forward to reach people today. We can't keep ministering from the way that we do things from like in the style of 1970s. We've got to reach people today. It's 2019. We've got to reach people today. We've got to be open to God and minister powerfully to God. You know, I long for that more and more. 
I know the friend, you know, people will get uncomfortable. But that's okay because if God is leading us, if he's in control, that's all that matters. Now, that doesn't mean we turn in this place into a nightclub or dance. We're not on about that. We just long for this place to be filled with the presence of God. We long for him to be leading. We long for new expressions to be raised up, new worship, new, you know, new people stepping up and ministering, new leaders being raised. We long for that. I'm believing for that. It's not just a desire. I'm praying for it. I'm believing for that. And we believe it will come to pass. I believe that with all of my heart. Number, th- number four. Revival will stop whenever believers get the idea that the work will go on without their effort. You know, unfortunately, as people of God, we can often say, God, unless you do it, it's never going to happen. But God is saying, I've sent my spirit, and he is the one who has filled you to go and be witnesses for me. So much we say, God, send the people in. But God is saying, no, I've empowered you to go out. It's where all of a sudden revival will stop when we think that God doesn't need to use us. It's all on him. It's all on him. But God, in his love and mercy, says, I want to use you. You are the ones who are going to share the message. You are the ones who have got to tell your friend, you, but I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be in you. I'm going to empower you. But it's you. Church isn't just a club. It isn't just a meeting and expect God to send them all in. God has empowered us and sent his spirit to go out. We're so confined by these four walls. You know, and I thank God, even for the likes of social media and the internet, even this week, an opportunity to share with somebody who I've never spoken to in my life. But you know, that's an opportunity. And I pray for that whoever I come in contact with. God, use me, fill me, and send me out. And keep me in this place. And wait for you to do it. God, use me out there. Help me to bring them in. Empower me. Lead me, oh God. You know, when, whenever we decide that God, it's all on you, then we can guarantee you it'll stop because God says, I've sent my spirit to fill you and lead you and send you out. And you know, unfortunately, we see even today, many churches, they don't want to. They don't want to go out there. They don't want to keep spreading the message. Otherwise, church in 10 years will, will die. That's why so many of our churches around these valleys stopped growing and have died one of the main reasons is because they've not gone out there they've just waited and you know God is able to do that God is able to send in you know God has given us a spirit to go out there and that shouldn't be an excuse for us just to hang on hang on until he comes again come again yeah number five finally revival will stop when the church when the people of God prefer to live for themselves and do what they want to do rather than do what God wants us to do. That's when revival stops. That's probably the biggest killer in revival is when we say, God, it's me and not you. God, I'm putting me first and not you. That's when revival will stop. That's when anything of God, any chance we've got of God moving in this place, that's when it stops. When we say, it's all me. I'm going to do this as I want to do. It's my way. Then we can guarantee God is not going to be in that. Because it is all about him. It is all for him. It is all about him. And he wants us to have that heart. We say, God, you first. Jesus said in the gospel, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. When we put him first, 
You know, that's the commandment of give. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we've got to do, is put God first. But whenever we decide, me, I'm going to look at me, I can't be bothered, I'm not going to do this. You know, it's on my watch, it's up to me. Then guaranteed, it's going to stop. You know, the slogan of our generation is, my will be done, and not his will be done. But we look at Jesus, and what did he say in the Garden of Gethsemane? Lord, Father, thy will be done. You know, take this cup away from me, but Lord, not my will. Jesus' heart was that God would be glorified, that he would be first, and he put him first. He put his Father first. And we too need to follow him and say, God, it's not about me. It's not about my time scale. It's not about how I want to do things. God, it's you. You've got to be first. You've got to be number one. You know, so often we get too busy to carry on with the things of God, don't we? You know, that's one of the things the enemy likes to do in our time. Distract us with work. Distract us with everything else. There's so much entertainment. There's so much distraction. Oh, this TV show's on. You know, I've got to be home by 8 o'clock. Pastor Luke, because Britain's got talent on. X Factor's got on. You know, God can wait till next week. Forget it. God will never wait. But when we say, God, you are number one. You are first, and we're here to serve you, follow you. You watch what God will do. You watch what God will do. As I've shared many times, he is either Lord over all, or he's not Lord at all. God doesn't take second place in our lives. Either he's number one or he's not. And that's a personal thing. That's not, I can't help you with this. This is between you and God. We've got to put him first in our lives. You know, that's the result. The Bible will stop. And so next time, next week, we're going to look at some more hindrances to revival. But I wonder, as we come to a conclusion tonight, yeah, some of you might be looking at the time and all these things. You might want to go home and all these things. But I believe there's more important things to think about. I wonder, are there any, any of these things I've said tonight, any of these roadblocks, are they amongst us tonight as a church? You know, because, you know, that's been my prayer. God, is there anything in my life that's stopping you from walking? Is there anything within our church that's stopping you from walking? Because I don't know about you, but I want the roadway to be clear for God to move. But it's a challenge for us to look honestly at ourselves and ask the Holy Spirit to come and highlight areas in our lives that might be blocking God from moving. And these might be things that might have been moved for years and years, but I believe God wants to, is speaking to us tonight, and this is an opportunity for us tonight to get rid of these roadblocks within our lives. You know, we're not living in revival at the minute, if you're honest. So, you know, I believe, God, is there something that's stopping us? I'm not pointing the finger at Abraham and Apostolic or Cannon Valley Church or, or Bryn Zion. It's just, God, is there anything that's in our heart, in our lives, that's stopping you from moving here? You know, we thank, it's between them and God what they do in their churches, but God, what's stopping you from working here? And you know what? It's only the Holy Spirit who can highlight that and help us to get it right. And you know, our God, he's not here to condemn us if there are things, but in his love and his mercy, he wants to highlight those things so that we can bring them before the cross, that we can get our lives right, and that we can be channels of his, uh, for his spirit to flow through. You know, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, 
सीख रहे हैं फिर जनाब फिर तुम लोग उसी वही देन आर यू कैन हैव मी देन आफ्टर टू फेस सिंस देन आई वाज योर हैरान इफ माय पीपल यू वांट टू गेट रिड ऑफ दिस लॉर्ड गिव्स टू देम इज द लॉर्ड चैलेंजिंग ऑन सम ऑफ दीस एरियाज टुनाइट लेट्स आस्क द होली स्पिरिट फ्रॉम द लॉर्ड थैंक यू थैंक्स अगेन फॉर लिसनिंग टू दिस पॉडकास्ट टू योर मोर मैसेजेस लाइक दिस वन मेक श्योर टू सब्सक्राइब and check out our podcast channel for past episodes for more content from gateway and to connect with us go to gatewaychurchcumry.co.uk have a great day